This is one-on-one's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports with top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis. This is one-on-one's NFL Friday. Welcoming you into NFL Friday. Vinny DeBell is joined by David Spampanato, Dominic Capone. It's Wild Card Week, Wild Card Edition of NFL Friday. And guys, I've been saying the whole year that I can't wait for these playoffs, specifically this year, just because there's so much parity on the NFC side. I feel like in past years it's been the type of thing where, oh, there are five or six teams that can win it. But this year it's the same way on the AFC side. And in past years I felt like it's the Pats and everybody else. I don't feel like that this year. I'm with you. Last year, just when you look at the teams that were in the mix, like you have Buffalo in the mix. Buffalo had no business (laughs) winning any of these games. And then you look at this year, for example, the Chargers. The Chargers can make a Super Bowl run. You know, I don't think anyone's locking in on the Patriots or in the AFC Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. And NFC is always a mixed bag. So I think it's really interesting this year in particular. Yeah, I 100% agree with you guys. I mean, it seems like the Patriots, like you guys said, every year are in the mix and are the front runners in the AFC. Now you got teams like the Chiefs, especially. Even the Ravens have a shot. They've been playing well of late. And um, I, I really like the Chargers. We'll get into that, though. And then obviously in the NFC side, the Saints and the Rams leading the way there. So a lot of great teams can vie for that one championship. So it's going to be a fun playoff. Definitely. So let's get right into it. We'll break down each of the games that we have going on this weekend. Four really good games. Spreads are super close. We'll start with Colts-Texans. Texans at home. That's the 435 game on Saturday. The line on that one, Houston favored by one and a half points, I'm seeing. So that pr- pretty close to a toss-up right there. I mean, the Colts, second half of the season, have come on super strong after getting off to a slow start. But the Texans have been pretty consistent all year and have also flown under the radar. What do you guys like in that one? Well, from their first matchup when they played at Indy, both teams were kind of faltering you know, to start the season. Neither one got off to a good start, and Indy won that game 34 34- 37-34 over the Texans. And then week 14, uh, they beat the Texans 24-21 on the road. So I think that's a better indication of what these two teams are at this point. But, you know, that third game, I always feel like you never exactly know what's going to happen. So in Houston, I think it's tough to go with Indy. So, I, I mean, I like Deshaun Watson. DeMar- um, DeAndre Hopkins is so consistent. And I, I have a hard time picking against Houston in this game. I actually agree with you. I'm going to go with the Texans. I know Indy won the last two games in the regular season. Andrew Luck looked very good in those games as well. Uh, I believe he threw for six touchdowns in those games combined. But this Texans team, I really like them at home. I know the line is only minus one and a half, like you said, Vinny, but um, I'm going to go with the Texans. Like I said, Deshaun Watson and uh, DeAndre Hopkins are a great tandem. And Lamar Miller, just under 1,000 yards rushing on the season. Uh, he's having a great year as well, so I'm going to have to go with the Texans. This is a tough one for me. I'm going to have to switch it up and go Colts just because of how hot they've been in this late, later stretch of, the, stretch of the season. If you look back at their past, I'm counting all the wins here, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and nine, nine of their last ten they've won, and pretty much all must-win games. I mean, after starting off one and five, or yeah, one and, one and five to start off the season, that's ridiculous to just be playing under that constant pressure and I think that if you're in must-win mode for so long compared to the Texans not that they had a huge cushion but that you know they they got off to the strong start I just I'm confident in luck I feel like the Colts defense has been playing great especially latter half of the season so I'm going to go Colts in a close one 
And, you know, the, the Texans, I feel like, have played a lot of close games against some subpar teams. I saw them against the Jets a few weeks back, and they had a great comeback win there, but it was, they, they were kind of sleepwalking to start off that game. I'll go Colts in a close one. I think most both teams have kind of been a mixed bag down the stretch. You look at the way the Colts played against the Giants, and it was just really unimpressive. You know, a deplete, depleted defense in the Giants without O.L. Beckham on the offensive side of the ball, and they put up 28 points. This, Yes, the Giants were a team that came on hot down the stretch, especially offensively. But, again, there's just something about the Colts I don't trust. Still a young team. Darius Leonard is leading that defense. I don't know if I trust a rookie leading a defense. And same thing goes on the offensive line. It's young. It's talented. But it's young. It's inexperienced. I like the experience that the Texans have, especially with guys like J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins leading the charge. And you brought up J.J. Watt. I mean, he's back. He has 16 sacks this year. You know he's happy to be back into the playoffs. And I really like this defense, along with Jadavion Clowney on the defensive line. I just feel like it's going to be tough for the Colts um, and Andrew Luck. I know Andrew Luck's having a great year as well, 39 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. But um, I, I really like this Texans team at 11-5, the AFC South champions. Uh, you have to go with them at home. And uh, also looking at it, from the standpoint of Bill O'Brien, he, he's a head coach. This is fifth season as the Texans head coach. And you have a rookie head coach for Indianapolis and in Frank Reich. So it's, it's interesting to see what could happen. But I, I just give the nod to this Texans team. And a lot of people are uh, putting this game as a toss-up, as you see with the line. So anything could happen. But I do think the Texans have the advantage at home. So in the second one Saturday that we're going to get to, 8-15 game, Seahawks at Cowboys. Another one that's pretty close to a toss-up. Dallas, the two-point favorites at this point. And both teams 10-6 and six coming in. The Cowboys 7-1 at, at home on the year. Seahawks 4-4 four and four away. So those are some things to take note of. But I think for me, the, the, the deciding factor in this one is going to come down to the Seahawks experience. I know that this is not the same Legion of Boom defense that made multiple Super Bowl runs a few years ago. But Pete Carroll's still there. Russell Wilson's still there. And I just feel like in a this type of a game, they they know what to do. The Cowboys, year after year, fall short. They're a younger team. And, look, the Cowboys have been really, really impressive this year, especially at home. But I'm going to go Seahawks by a little bit on the road in this one. I think you bring up all good points, and I'm not going to disagree with any of them. And another point that I want to bring up is who do you trust more, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson or Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott? And I think that's an easy answer. Yep. I would go definitely Carroll and Wilson. But – I like what the Cowboys have done this year. Ever since they added Amari Cooper, it's been a totally different look on this offense. Dak has been rolling as of late, and he's going to be the catalyst in this game. If he plays well, I mean, it's it's not this isn't a hot take that if Dak Prescott plays well, the Cowboys will win, and if he doesn't play well, they're not going to win. But he's going to be the difference maker because Zeke is going to be there. Zeke's going to play well. And truthfully, I think Dak is going to come through in this one. I like them at home, and... Yes, the Seahawks' defense has been good, and they've been strong coming down the stretch. But I don't know if I trust them without necessarily a big-time playmaker in that secondary, especially a guy that would have to match up on Amari Cooper. Yeah, so looking at the looking at just the Cowboys' standpoint, I'm looking at that defense in rookie Leighton Van Der Esch. You got Jalen Smith. Sean Lee played last week. Um, I'm sure he's going to play again. I know he's been injury-prone. But you brought up a good point. Amari Cooper, over 1,000 yards receiving this year. I know everyone like made a big deal about that uh, first-round pick that the Cowboys traded away. But if they can come away with a championship with Amari Cooper, then it's all worth it. And um, looking at Dak Prescott, 
you have to say he's having a great year. I think this game's going to come down to the running game. If Ezekiel Elliott can rush for over 150 yards, even just one touchdown, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. And um, I'm going to choose them. I know, Vinny, you went with the Seahawks because of Russell Wilson and their experience. But I just feel like this team's a little bit different, and uh, the Cowboys are different as well. This isn't the same Cowboys team. If you asked me in the past, Seahawks-Cowboys, with the Cowboys' track record of playoff losses, I would obviously go with the Seahawks, but this is a different Cowboys team. It's younger. The defense, I think, is better than the Seahawks' defense. Uh, I'm going to go with them, and they're coming off a big win. I know it's against the Giants, but that comeback that they had last week was uh, amazing. Going there was no the Zeke. Playoffs. There was no Zeke either. You know, that's, exactly. And yeah, he's the catalyst, no and he's the difference maker in that offense. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, their offense really revolves around him. But Dom, just going back to the Amari Cooper point you made, everyone blasted them for giving away that first round mm-hmm. pick. But who in the draft are you going to get that's better than Amari Cooper, especially when your biggest need is wide receiver? And he's only 24. That was a slam dunk of a trade, and everyone killed Jerry Jones for that. Yeah, they were looking at his um, stats with the Raiders, and he did drop off from the Amari Cooper we saw as a rookie in, in his second year in Oakland, but it, he just needed a quarterback. I know he had Derek Carr, but um, with Dak Prescott in this offense for the Cowboys, I think it's a good fit for Amari Cooper. And going back to I don't know if I would have gave up a first-round pick, but as of right now, it's working. Yeah, it's all about the fit, I think, for Cooper in that situation. The, the amount of dysfunction that was going on with Oakland this year – it, it's easy to sort of lose focus, lose motivation there. Not to say that he wasn't trying or anything, but definitely picked up since getting to the Cowboys. You guys both brought up Cowboys defense. I think that's going to be the difference maker. If they can put together a performance like they did against the Saints at home, so their best defensive performances of the year have come at home. If they play shutdown like that, then I like the Cowboys, but I think, I think the Seahawks are going to have enough to get it done. Two great games on Saturday. We'll move on to the Sunday games now. The first one. Chargers-Ravens, a rematch of a game that was played a few weeks back. Got a lot of rematches in this uh, mm-hmm. wild-card playoff. Chargers 12-4. and They're 7-1 and on the road this year, going up against the Ravens. Ravens are 10-6 and and 6-2 and at home. The Ravens home here. Um, Baltimore 2.5-point favorites in this one. I think it's going to be a great game. I was not expecting when they played on Saturday night a few weeks ago for the Ravens to come out like this. The The biggest surprise for me is just how well of a game manager Lamar Jackson has been. He's made good decisions, has played like a veteran. He's not trying to do too much. I think it's going to come down to whether he'll be rattled in this game. And I think, you know, also Phillip Rivers, is this his year? You, you wonder how many years he has left in that window. This seems like it may be his best chance before he retires. I like the Chargers in, in this one, but I think, again, it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree again. I'm going to go with like the Ravens like because, it. you know what? I mean, are the Ravens doing some things unorthodox? Absolutely, because we're seeing the way vertical offenses are absolutely taking over the NFL, and I think that's an absolute advantage for them because Harbaugh is such a strong coach that he's putting the system in place and he's making it work with the pieces he has. Lamar Jackson is so unique. Will the lights be too bright for him? We'll have to wait and see. But at the same time, we haven't really seen Phillip Rivers rise to the occasion and win these big games. This is going to be a tough one on the road for him against Baltimore. And truthfully, Lamar Jackson's just been rolling, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to run away from the way I felt about Jackson from when even he was in college. I felt he was going to be a strong quarterback, and we've seen him play okay. But the difference that he's made for this team has been huge. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to agree with Vinny on this one. I'm going to go with the Chargers 
and my main point is Phillip Rivers. I mean, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions on the season. He's starting his, his career's on the back nine, obviously, and he needs that championship, in my opinion, if he wants to be in the conversation of those great quarterbacks. He is a very good quarterback, great quarterback. He is a Hall of Famer in my book. Phillip Rivers, this is his year. 12-4 and Los Angeles Chargers team. You have a good defense, great defense with Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, obviously the rookie Derwin James leading the team with 105 tackles, but this is their year. And I, I believe with Melvin Gordon as running back, the Chargers can take care of the Ravens. And I, I get your point, um, David and Lamar Jackson, and how he's rolling 6-1 and one record as a starter, but I think the Chargers can go into Baltimore and beat them. All right, and then finally, last game of the weekend, the 440 game, last NFC game, Eagles at Bears. The Eagles 9-7 and seven on the season, snuck into the playoffs. They're 4-4 four and four on the road behind Foles. Incredible run after the Super Bowl run last year. And then the Bears are 12-4 and four on the season, 7-1 and one at home. Also, the biggest favorites of the weekend by far, Chicago 6.5-point favorites in this one. I'm actually going to pick the upset here and take the Eagles. I think the Bears have had a great season, overperformed. When they went that and made that trade beginning of the year to get Mac from the, the Raiders, everyone was scratching their heads. I didn't think they were a good enough team to be a competitor, and they proved everyone wrong. Really impressive season in a strong division, but I just think the Eagles, the mojo that they have, similar to the reason that I picked Seattle and that they've had a lot of deep playoff runs, I like the Eagles here. I think they have enough to get it done on the road. This is my toughest one. I like the Bears, but I would not be shocked at all if the Eagles were able to pull this one out. People forget that this is the, these are the Super Bowl champs. You know, Over the course of the season, people forgot how good this team really was. Now, do I trust Nick Foles? No, not really. <laughs> but I trust Doug Peterson to play a strong game and put his team in position to win. That being said, I think this defense is too much. I look at that front, and I think they're going to give Nick Foles a really hard time when they bring the pressure and cause some turnovers. So for that reason, I think the Bears' defense will be too much. And this is going to be a major test for Matt Nagy, the same way it was for McVay a year ago, because people have just been speaking glowingly of this guy. He's an offensive genius. Everyone needs to get a coach like Matt Nagy. This is going to be a real test for him uh, as he takes his first step into the playoffs. And same thing goes for Mitch Trubisky, but... I think Trubisky is the type of guy who won't really fade in that kind of moment, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Looking at this game from my perspective, I I would love to see Nick Foles win back-to-back Super Bowls as a backup, basically, for this Eagles team. I, I don't know about you guys. I just feel like that would be amazing. I, the Bears have a 70% That would be horrible. That would be horrible. Anytime the Eagles win the Super Bowl, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I understand. I get that, but I just find it – as a football fan in general, I find it amazing if Nick Foles could do this again. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously a great quarterback in his own right, but Nick Foles in the playoffs, obviously Doug Peterson 3-0. and I would not be surprised if he's 7-0 by the end of this year with another Super Bowl under his belt. And so I'm going to go with the Eagles. I would love to see that. All right, and then real quickly for something new we're doing here, a lock of the week. What uh, of any of the lines, or you, you want to include over unders here, maybe, or just just stick keep, keep it the lines, I guess. Let's keep it the lines. Yeah. yeah. What uh, I, I have my pick here. Is there any? If you had to put all your money, imaginary money you have on on one game right here, what are you picking that you're super confident in? I'll put you on the spot first. I'm gonna go Cowboys minus two. Um, I know that's kind of a tough one with the Seahawks, an experienced team on the other side of it. But I think it's just a testament to how good I feel that this Cowboys team is. And, you know, two, 
giving two points, it's not all that much. It's really kind of a pick 'em. So I'll take that line and I'll pick the Cowboys in that one. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Even if they lose, I don't think it's going to be by more than six and a half because that's what they're giving the Bears in that game. I feel like the Eagles can keep it close and even win this game in an upset in Chicago. I'm going to go uh, as that. It's my slam dunk for the Eagles. Yeah, Dom, I'm going to piggyback on yours. I'm going also Eagles. I think it's going to be a really close game. And it's tough because I think a lot of these could go either way, but I think the line should be maybe something closer to two or three in that one. I'll, I'll choose the Eagles as my lock there. But that'll do it for the wild card pick em segment. We'll get into a recap of the Jets and Giants season, but first it's time for the Jets report. The Jets were outplayed from start to finish on Sunday in Foxborough in a 38-3 blowout loss to the Pats, capping off a lackluster season. Head coach Todd Bowles was relieved of his duties just hours after the loss, an announcement that was expected for a while. There are many questions to be answered for the Jets this offseason, the biggest of which is who will coach the team. GM Mike McCagnan wasn't given any hints as to who might head the team in the future when asked about the search earlier this week. Well, we're trying to find the right guy for our situation. Um, I don't think we want to get penciled into an offensive or defensive-minded coach. We're really focused on trying to get the right guy for the job. While the season was undoubtedly a disappointment, there are some bright spots for the franchise looking forward. The Jets found their franchise quarterback, they'll have the number three overall pick in this year's draft, and they have the cap space to go out and get a Le'Veon Bell caliber free agent. The Jets have many needs in the draft, but the most important pieces for them to get moving forward are an offensive tackle and a pass rusher. Josh Allen out of Kentucky, as well as Quinnen Williams from Alabama, would be great first-round options for a team that needs help up front on the defensive side. As far as coaching candidates go, I think Mike McCarthy is as safe a bet as there is. He's proved that he can do it all in Green Bay and should provide stability in a young locker room. If the Jets want to go for a less proven, more offensive mind, Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley, as well as Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, would be interesting choices with lots of upside. Regardless of the choice, Jets fans will likely embrace a new leader, and it seems the fan base as a whole was ready to move on from Bowles. I think Gang Green is still a few years away from a playoff berth, but they are definitely headed in the right direction. Covering the... I'm Vinny DeBellis, WFUV Sports. So a disappointing season for the Jets, to say the least. 4-12 and they finished at, fired Todd Bowles after a very disappointing 38-3 loss to the Pats in Foxborough, but I don't think any realistic Jets fan expected anything different. Um, there were some positives from the season. Just I, I think they figured out that they do have their quarterback. There are definitely some bright spots on both sides of the ball, and there's a lot of cap space. They have a good draft pick next year. But the, the bottom line was they just didn't win enough close games. There were a few games they got really embarrassed. The Bills game in particular, I think, was probably the low point of the season. Blew a lot of fourth-quarter leads. But I, I thought overall an impressive year for Darnold. Agreed. Um, I wasn't impressed, not at the get-go, because he was really impressive in Week 1 against the Lions. But after I saw some of the mistakes he was making, I said, okay, you know, this is a guy that's got some work to do. He can make the big throws, but some of his decision-making is not quite at the NFL level. Then we saw the way he finished after he took those two weeks off. I think that was really big for him, taking those two weeks off, allowing McCallum to play. And 
did that cost Todd Bowles his job? No, because they, the Bills put up 41 points, and this is a defensive coach. Exactly. So I don't think that's necessarily something that you can point to and say benching Darnold or not playing Darnold because he may or may not have been injured cost Todd Bowles his job. I look at the way that Darnold played later in the season, and that's what really counted. You know what? The fact that they lost most of these games actually helps. And I'm as anti-tank as you're going to find, but playing close games, playing hard, and seeing a quarterback develop is all you really look for in the in in this season, truthfully, and the way that they finished couldn't have gone any better. There's no doubt that Sam Darnold had some pretty horrific games in the NFL, but you have to look, like you said, David, at the way he finished. Even though they lost against Houston, Green Bay, New England, he played pretty well in those games, if you ask me. And then I go back to that Buffalo game as well, where they beat them 27-23, and in that game they were down, and then he made that pass on the far side to Robbie Anderson and route to the touchdown and the win. I, in my opinion, Todd Bowles should have been fired a long time ago. They got it right by firing him. If they kept him after 5-11, and 5-11, and 4-12, and it would just not be a good look for Chris Johnson and this Jets organization. But now, in my opinion, you have to get the offensive-minded coach, whoever that may be, develop Darnold, and then draft around him. In my opinion, you have to go draft a wide receiver uh, with the third overall pick. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State, I believe he's listed as the number one wide receiver in this upcoming draft, you have to get him. And then, in my opinion as well, you have to go get Le'Veon Bell. There's your running back, you have a quarterback, wide receiver, and then draft a few offensive linemen. Uh, this should be an offensive-minded draft if you're the Jets. I think there are a lot more holes that the Jets have in front of wide receiver. But Darnold does need some tools to work with, definitely. I wouldn't go wide receiver. I don't know as much about the Arizona State guy as you do here, but I would probably go – with either an offensive lineman or a pass rusher early. I know from a – this is not a draft that's filled with high-level skill position guys, quote-unquote skill positions, Not not no disrespect to the linemen. But <laughs> I think uh, the, the line could definitely be shored up a bit. I don't know if they go O-line or D-line, but the secondary is good. They have their quarterback. I, I would go for, yeah, either a pass rusher or, or an offensive lineman. But I don't really know draft players like that. Yeah. So, so the only thing I was thinking about was looking at free agency because we know the Jets are going to go after guys in free agency. I didn't see one wide receiver that they should throw money to that will help Darnold. Um, I believe like, the number one guy was Tavon. But, but Dom, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Golden Tate's out there, but the best wide receiver out there is Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, he lines up in the backfield, but he's a total offensive weapon. You can't go wide receiver with the third overall pick. I mean, no disrespect, but... You have to go with a pass rusher. You have to go with a defensive end. There's plenty of guys out there. If you can get Nick Bosa at three, which I don't think you can, I think Arizona is going to pull the trigger on him. You get a guy like so that. So you think they're going to go defensive? Absolutely, absolutely. Whether it's Clennon Farrell, whether it's Quinnen Williams from Alabama, Josh Allen from Kentucky, these are all really talented players that have played in the SEC. I think that's the move you have to go with. I, I, I know I understand where you're coming from. I just feel like with Sam Donald right now, get an offensive-minded coach and focus on the offense, and he needs a number one wide receiver. And watching the Keel um, Harry play, I feel like that's the route to go. And in some mock drafts, they have him at number three. Obviously, um, some have an offensive lineman. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I, I feel personally that they, just, that they should stay offensive. It's been way too long. Um, this team's offense needs to turn around. Yeah, pulling up some mock drafts right now. I'm seeing Quinnen Williams, a potential defensive tackle. Don't know a heck of a lot about him, but Alabama, that's that's about all I need to see right there. And, uh, you know, they, they've done pretty well in terms of producing pros. 
And that's probably where I'd go with it, but I'm seeing a lot of a lot of mock drafts also have Nikhil Harry going number three. The other question for you guys, obviously this is what we're going to be talking about until the Jets do hire a head coach. A lot of names out there. Mike McCarthy, one of the more notable ones. Jim Caldwell, Adam Gase. These are former NFL head coaches. You could also go the coordinator route. You could go a college coach route. I know I like Jackson's suggestion a few weeks ago of Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma offensive wizard. Um, I think there there are a lot of different directions they could go in. I, you know, I, I don't think the McCarthy hire is bad. I know a lot of people haven't liked what he's done with the Packers in the past few years, but I just think that they've had success over the long run and that he wouldn't be an awful guy in there, but there's no candidate that definitely jumps out at me right now. I think McCarthy is the way to go. I think it jumps out the page to me as a no-brainer, and for this reason. You need a coach that's going to sell the room on the vision, and McCarthy is a guy who's going to say, I know how to do this. I've done it. This is what I plan to do. And if you'll do it, and if you do it, we're going to be successful. I don't think it's so much about the plan. I think it's about getting everyone to follow that plan. And I think McCarthy will be able to do that with the young room that the Jets have. And I think guys like Darnold and Adams are looking for that kind of direction. And I think McCarthy will provide that. That being said, the next best option after that, because there's still a lot of there's still a lot of coaching vacancies to where McCarthy could be stolen by somebody else if they throw a load of money at him. Beyond that, I think Harbaugh is the best option. I don't necessarily think that could happen, but I would go McCarthy 1, Harbaugh 2. After that, it's kind of a mixed bag because you have Jim Caldwell who has the experience, but he doesn't have the pedigree like McCarthy has where he has that Super Bowl ring. So overall, though, I would say McCarthy to me is a no-brainer. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I feel like you need that guy who's been around the block. Mike McCarthy went to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, had Aaron Rodgers, basically developed him. Mm-hmm. And I'm, for the Jets fans that don't like McCarthy and say that he's not a good game manager and he's made some mistakes, I understand that. But the consistency of making the playoffs, if you're the Jets who haven't made the, play, have, haven't made the playoff since 2010, I feel like this is a guy that you really need that, that can get that consistency back the Jets could make the playoffs, and if he could de- develop Darnold and that defense comes, then you have a Super Bowl contender right there. Um, also, I want to ask you guys, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, uh, his name has been thrown around. He interviewed with the Jets. He's only been the offensive coordinator for one year, but obviously the offense skyrocketed with him and Andy Reid. Would you guys go the young route, a guy who hasn't coached but an offensive-minded guy? I mean, it's worked. If you look at Sean McVay with uh... – with the Rams, obviously, that that sort of seems like the direction that the league's going in terms of offensive-minded young guys who maybe don't have the pedigree of a McCarthy. But I'd say it'd be a little bit more risky. But the, look, anything offensive-minded, I think Jets fans will embrace, and I would not at all be mad at. You have to go offensive-minded, but yeah, McVay worked. Yes, Nagy worked, and just as many Matt Nagy's and. Sean McVay's have been out there. There's been as many Todd Bowles that have been a young up-and-coming coordinator on either side of the ball. So this is a riskier hire. And truthfully, when you have a young team that is on the right track, I don't think you can go risky. Um, McCarthy might not be the sexiest hire, but I think that it gets everything that you want to get done, done. And for that reason, I think McCarthy has to be the guy. Yeah, I 100% agree with you as well. So it should be an interesting offseason for the Jets. A lot of decisions to be made. 
and we'll have a lot of time to break them down in the coming months. Now it's time to get into some Giants talk. Also a disappointing season for the Giants, but I guess a few more pieces than the Jets moving forward. The 5-11 record may tell you a clear story, but it's not the full story of the 2018 Giants. The primary goal Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer had in mind for this season was to wipe their hands clean of the toxic culture from a year ago. Early on, the turnaround looked disastrous. The offensive line was still a mess, the quarterback play was subpar, and Odell Beckham was unhappy. Beckham was criticized and fined for the infamous Lil Wayne interview on ESPN where he bashed the Giants just one month after signing his five-year, $95 million extension. Dave Gettleman debunked the idea that the Giants would consider trading Beckham, repeatedly saying, we didn't sign him to trade him. Following the 1-7 start, the team regrouped and finished strong. The offensive line finally found some synergy which helped Eli Manning find his targets downfield. Protection is key for Manning. The 38-year-old quarterback was sacked 31 times in the first half of the season and only 16 in the second half. While not the long-term answer, it seems clear that Eli will serve as a bridge toward the Giants' next signal caller. The biggest bright spot for the team was rookie superstar Saquon Barkley. He's the odds-on favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year and joined Eric Dickerson and Edgar and James in the record books as the only rookie backs to eclipse 2,000 yards from scrimmage. The future's so bright for Barkley, and the Giants need to continue to build around him. The biggest weakness for this team was clearly the defense. With the sixth pick in the draft, I think adding talent on that side of the ball is key. Luckily, it's a strong draft in the trenches, and the G-men will find a fit with that pick. Some may think I'm crazy, but this team can still win in 2019. They have some great pieces already, and need to capitalize on the prime of those players. Covering the 2018 New York Giants, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. So the Giants with a disappointing season as well. And, David, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Better season than the Jets, but they also had higher expectations than the Giants did. I mean, than the Jets did. Sort of be, covering this team the whole year, how, how would you rate their performance? Um, I think people were freaking out a little bit too much. I think the people calling for a tank and, think, you know, and just getting rid of and rebuilding the entire thing, I don't think they're right because, you know, you look at a lot of these losses, they had 12 losses that they and this was tied for the league lead that were decided by a touchdown or less and that shows that they're really close and I think that they need to get a couple more pieces in there and they can do that within the draft so I think they need to draft smart um, and I think they just need to work with what they have because it's strong I don't think there's any denying that defensively the defense is the first thing they need to address I mean Eli Manning is a whole other situation and a whole entirely other topic but for next year, I'm pretty optimistic if I'm a Giants fan, and I will continue to be optimistic as long as I have Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. Yeah, looking at the Giants, uh, David, I'm curious, what quarterback do you think they, they should draft in that first round with their first pick? Because you know they have to get I don't a think I don't think they should be getting a quarterback. I don't really? think that this team is fit for a rookie quarterback to go and develop, and here's why. You have four years left on Saquon Barkley's rookie deal. 
in those four years, Odell Beckham will turn 30 at the end of that contract. So then he'll begin to, you would assume, decline. I mean, father time is undefeated. So mm. I don't think developing a rookie quarterback over that time is doing anything for you. If you want Eli Manning to be that bridge, that's fine. But getting Dwayne Haskins, to me, is just not doing anything. Um, and so, they have too many other holes that need to be fixed in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So I would go best player available, truthfully, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. That's where I would go. So where do you see this Giants team going after Eli Manning at the quarterback position, though? No, it's a fair question. I think that's what everyone wonders. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's a problem for right now. Um, I would love to see Derek Carr in a Giants uniform. I don't necessarily so you're know saying if go that's like possible. free agency or trade? Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles is mm-hmm. a good option. Derek Carr, like I said, I think would be a good option. I'm not ready to roll the dice on a guy like Bortles or Tannehill or someone like that who hasn't had success. But, you know, you see with the Jets, the way they get Darnold, and now they kind of have this limitless window. The Giants didn't go that route. The Giants went with the route of, okay, we can win now. So they need to get a guy in there that's going to reinforce that. And I don't think bringing in, let's say, Dwayne Haskins is going to do that from year one. Yeah, the quarterback. Yeah, 100%. Go ahead. Yes, sorry, Vinny. I just wanted to jump on that real quick. Because I, that's what I was bringing up um, throughout most of these podcasts, saying I know the Giants got Saquon Barkley, and he, you know, he's the guy right now. But the running back shelf life is not that high, not that long. Same like you brought up, Odell Beckham is going to be thirty, and that's why I always said they need to go after a quarterback. So if you're not going after a quarterback now, these players could still be great. And if you can't find a quarterback in free agency or you can't draft one, they they're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I think for the Giants, it's an interesting position that they're in. I think the only draft a quarterback if you feel like it's going to be a franchise guy. I don't think it's a, an especially strong quarterback class. I've said for a while I like next year's class better. Big Tua fan for, from Bama. But if you look at the the top quarterbacks that the Giants would even be considering, it's probably either going to be Haskins or Drew Locke. Locke from, from Missouri, I haven't seen a lot of him play, but he is a four-year guy, has a pretty strong arm. And, I mean, Haskins, I think, could be a good pro, but he doesn't scream pro bowler to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think either of these guys are surefire locks at the position. I, I would be quicker to go for a Derek Carr or a Foles. I like both of those options that you brought up. But I, I think that it needs to be ur- – it's it's urgent for them to go and get someone. They, they can't just – Eli has been too inconsistent, especially at the beginning of this year, for them to just say for another season – oh, we'll throw Eli out there and he's done it for so many years, we'll be okay. That hasn't worked. They definitely need help at at other positions. They need to protect whoever's there. But if you have a guy that can move around a little bit better than Eli can, which is pretty much anyone in the NFL, then you're going to have more success. And uh, But but I do agree. I I don't think I'd take the quarterback here, but they they need to go get somebody in free agency. You can't have Kyle Loletta as your primary backup and no plan going forward. Agreed. And I think yeah. for that reason, I think you could look at a Will Greer in the second round, a Ryan Finley in the second round. These are quality guys who really could pan out. And at the same time, you're not missing out on these holes that you have otherwhere on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this was an offense that scored the most points in the NFC East. This was also a defense that allowed the most points in the NFC East. And you look at the way they played in the second half of the season, there's reason to believe that Eli has some decent football ahead of him. That being said, I do feel it's time to move on, and I'd love to see Derek Carr or Nick Foles be that guy, but there's no guarantee that you can bring them in. So I think maybe Will Greer, um, Ryan Finley could be a good insurance policy in the event that Eli isn't the guy who he was in the past and the guy who he showed he could be in the future. 
uh, this past season. Yeah, and another guy uh, that I was looking at was Teddy Bridgewater. I, I know he hasn't played all year because obviously he's behind Drew Brees, but when he was on the Jets, he played very well in that preseason, in the preseason games that he played. And I feel like that would be another good fit because he's young, he's back. And would you guys consider bringing him in? And if Eli doesn't work out, make sure you could always bring in Teddy Bridgewater. I hadn't thought about Bridgewater, but I was really impressed with how he was with the Jets preseason. I thought that he had just as much of a case to be the starter as Darnold did. I understand why they went with Darnold. I would have done the same. Mm-hmm. But I thought Bridgewater looked really good preseason. Didn't see really any of him on the Saints, but he did enough to prove that he can still be a starter in the NFL for me. I'm okay with bringing him in as a backup. I just don't think that he's going to get paid backup money. So it, mm. it makes some sense from a logistical standpoint or from a football standpoint, but from a logistical standpoint, I, I don't think it's a financial fit for the Giants. Then another question I have for you guys is Pat, Pat Shermer, first year with the Giants, and McAdoo got so much heat last year after not winning too many games. They didn't win too many more games this year under Shermer, my question is why hasn't there been the same just bashing of McAdoo, of Shermer that there was last year with McAdoo? Shermer is competent with the media, mm. um, and that's and that's that. I think that's discrediting him a little bit. I think he's good with the media. I think that he handles himself the right way. Um, he's ultra competitive. He feel. I think he has a vision of what this team is, and I think. Um, McAdoo just completely failed in both of those departments. Um, he was just McAdoo was just was just a guy who was focused on each game, but didn't exactly know the guys that he had in the locker room. And I think that's what led to the problems that existed with Shermer. I feel like he's got a grip on that. Yeah, there were some problems early on with Odell Beckham, but I think they've been smoothed out. He's a real professional, and that's the re- real reason why I don't think that uh, he's gotten as much heat as McAdoo. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. McAdoo with the media was atrocious. Going after Eli Manning, he didn't know how mm-hmm. to work with Odell Beckham. He, he was just a completely changed man. And the one thing I think is really helping Shermer's case is Saquon Barkley as well, because the Giants last year didn't have that one player that the Giants fans could lean on and be like, this is the future, we got a guy. Now they have Saquon Barkley, who absolutely obliterated many records this year and played very, very well for the Giants, and it's giving Giants fans hope going into the future. So I know they went 5-11 and in a season that the owners thought they could go and compete for a Super Bowl, but I think Shermer um, is getting less heat than McAdoo just because of the media and Saquon Barkley. And another thing with Shermer, I think there's some blame to be put on him at times. There's no excuse as to why Saquon Barkley touched the ball five times in the second half when they lost to the Eagles. There's no excuse why he got 10 carries against the Saints. But he owns up to it. He'll go the next day on Monday and say, hey, you know, I looked back and I think I should have given Saquon the ball more. And he owns mm-hmm. up to that. And people respect that. So I think that's another aspect uh, as where Shermer has had more success with the fans and with the media than McAdoo. And he's taken some heat, but I don't think his job is on the line. I think he's pretty safe for the next couple of years. Definitely agree there about Shermer. I think McAdoo has set the bar so low that Shermer really could have done anything this year and just been fine in terms of his public perception. Um, any any last-minute last, last minute 
marks that you guys want to make on uh, not only the Giants season, but just wild card week in general, final points before we wrap it up? While we didn't get to touch on it as much, just going back to the Jets, free agency, if they don't sign Le'Veon Bell, I don't know how Mike McCagden can show his face in public because he was kind of on the hot seat and then he's laid off a little bit now that it's been clear that he's going to keep his job. But, again, I'm not for firing a GM in the offseason. You know, make that decision right after the season. But, again, if you don't get Le'Veon Bell, there's a serious problem there. Yeah, I brought that up before. Le'Veon Bell, I feel like, needs to be a Jet. Also, they have a lot of free agents as well coming off the team. Morris Claiborne, Jermaine Curse, James Carpenter, an offensive lineman. Um, Robbie Anderson's a restricted free agent. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out um, in their route and trying to win next year. Yeah, I'm all for it. Bring on Le'Veon, bring on Antonio Brown. As uh, Jamal Adams was recruiting (laughs) both of them earlier this week, why not? But that'll do it for this week of NFL Friday. For David Spampanato, Dominic Capone, and Jackson Heil producing, I'm Vinny DeBellis. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week.